Welcome to Not So Chronic, a place where we discuss the real truth in healing ourselves from chronic diagnosis. My name is Sarah and I'm a self-healers coach for women who want to step into the healer and leader they are born to be. Think of this podcast as your radical guide in unleashing yourself from all the BS you were told and awaken yourself to your power, your worth and your innate ability to heal yourself. Through our stories from suffering and diagnosis to real healing and transformation, we are the revolution. We are not so chronic. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Not So Chronic. I'm really excited today to welcome this guest, Trips. Trips is a self-healer and creative healing coach from Inspire Calm, and she's going to be sharing with us today all about her healing journey, healing multiple chronic diagnosis, and her work that she does now with her creative coaching. So welcome, Trips, to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me, Sarah. You're so welcome. It's so good to connect here. We've been working together for a little while now. I think you first, or we first connected through my YouTube channel, I think, with the yoga. Yeah, that's right. I came across you maybe a year ago now. Yeah, about a year ago. The transformation has just been huge for you, right? Like you, where you are now, what you're doing now, your business now, how you feel now in your body. Yeah, I feel like a completely different person. Yeah. So let's dive in straight away. What do you think started off the process for you when you shifted from kind of chronic illness identity and that kind of life to like a self-healer and what was going on there for you? I think the first thing for me was believing that I could heal. Like I've heard people tell me, oh, they healed fibromyalgia, they healed this, they healed that. And I was like, cool, um, but it's not going to happen for me. But then something shifted I think during your 21 day meditation program where I just believed it I just started to really believe it and put everything into practice and just you know connect with myself yeah yeah totally and as you started to shift that core belief from like but they told me that I can't heal it's incurable, it's Mm -hmm. physical, it's like something actually wrong with my body and as you started to kind of see that for what that was which is just we can carry on choosing to believe that and it can and it's true it's like one version of the truth and that can be our reality or we can choose to believe in our body and you had your science background and I think that that actually helped you in seeing the healing because physiologically you had seen your body heal It, it has healed you know, cuts and scrapes and bruises and all the things throughout life. Why should a a persistent illness be any different? Yeah, exactly. You know, being told over and over again by like every health practitioner I saw that, you know, you can't heal this. You're never going to heal this. You're never going to get better. Like I believed that. And I was a scientist at the time. So I was like, well, science tells me I'm never going to get better. So therefore, um, I never got better. And I, in fact, believed that I would only get worse and so I only got worse so changing that belief that core belief from you're never going to get better to you can heal this if you put the work in that was huge that was just absolutely massive for me yeah and I feel like I remember you saying as you did start to get better or you did find things that were starting to help you 
and you tried to report that back to kind of the support group, you found that it wasn't met with welcoming. You were kind of told to, to get out. I know I was as well. I told to like shut up and get out. And even though I was just saying, hey, like this helped me or that supported me or hey, we can heal. I think we can heal these things. Oh, yeah. I started to feel really uncomfortable posting or like responding to people. And I felt like every time I posted something, say, oh, I, I used this cream or this oil or something, and it made me feel a bit better, like it might help somebody here. I would get, especially this one person would really just berate me and I would feel awful. And I was like, I'm just trying to help people. And that I think made me worse because I would then flare up after that altercation. So it made me not want to be part of it. Yeah, definitely. And then as we start to detach from those groups and those, you know, and even having in our descriptions, things like autoimmune advocate or fibro warrior and these labels, and then starting to shift to like, I'm a self healer, I'm healing these conditions. It's been super powerful. Yeah, I don't, I don't even like to tell people that I have fibromyalgia, or I had fibromyalgia find it really it's I just don't want to talk about it like that anymore like as if I'm owning it like as if it owns me I think that that's what it was it was like oh this is my this is my issue and this is what I have this is what I'm bringing to the table and it's very negative I think to talk about it in that way Right. Yeah. And it it wasn't just that. There is a whole bunch of symptoms that are all connected together. And what has been really exciting for you has been this journey you've had healing clinical depression and anxiety that's been huge for you. That was aside from the fibromyalgia and all of the chronic pain and the chronic fatigue, that was just a whole other circle of symptoms that you experienced. And healing that has been revolutionary for you. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I can't think of a time when, you know, I wasn't feeling either depressed or anxious or both. And it was, it was like, it just felt like a state of mind that I just had all the time. It was about six months of doing the, doing the work, the inner work, believing I could heal. I mean, I started with just believing I could heal fibromyalgia, but it extends to everything. And as we know, fibromyalgia is so many symptoms that depression actually is under the term of fibromyalgia so it's within six months of doing the work that I I was told that I've, I'm no longer diagnosed as having clinical depression and anxiety and it was amazing and it was like the best feeling ever yeah I remember that day you told me and I celebrated you all day because that was just something I think before doing inner work you'd kind of and a lot of us do this. I know I did it too. We kind of just accepted that this is who we are at a core level. This is me and I have these illnesses and that's it for life. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You don't see a way out. You don't believe there's a way out. Like with insomnia, I have bad. I probably was diagnosed with insomnia and depression around the same time, which is about 20 years ago. Changing how I view those changed how they affected me and I don't have insomnia anymore either yeah which is so amazing and it's like it's too basic of a question to go how did you heal insomnia how did you heal fibromyalgia how did you heal clinical depression in in a sentence it's not summarizable (laughs) that's a word it's just this deep deep work of figuring out what why could the insomnia be beneficial to you in some way how could that help you like 
how could it, why would you want to manifest something like insomnia to keep you up all night long? What does it perpetuate? And of course, then we see that a lot of the symptoms and diagnosis are all linked together and not sleeping then affects the IBS or then not, you know, or um, sleeping in late affects other areas of our life. And then that affects maybe our sense of self-worth. And it's just, it's all connected together. That's so true. You, you know, it's all connected. You don't sleep. You then have more pain. You're more depressed. You know, you have IBS, all of these things. And then you feel ill and you talk yourself, you tell yourself all these negative things. And that was it for me. That was the cycle that I had daily. And I would like berate myself like constantly. And then at nighttime, I would think about all the things I should have done that day. And I think for me, you know, staying awake was a way to have control. It's like the only time I could have control over my day. And also, I didn't want the next day to start. Yeah. The longer you stay awake, it felt like tomorrow won't come. But that's just not true. Yeah, exactly. And it's not even that you completely hated the job you had at the time or other. It's just it's not just not liking it. It's so many fundamental things at once. Yeah, true. I mean, I loved that job, but there were a lot of issues surrounding it. And also I was doing too much and I was forcing myself to do like way too much every single day because I was studying at the same time, trying to have a social life. And I just neglected myself completely. Yeah. I wondered if, because I know you're a smart cookie and you've got what, three degrees? Yeah. I wonder if when doing the inner work and core beliefs, if something came up for you was that your worth and your status and how good you are, and this would have been subconscious, maybe not conscious at the time, came from, you know, working harder, working stronger, having more degrees, having more qualifications and letters after your name or things like that. Oh my God, definitely. I realized that I would constantly, somebody would tell me I was clever and my response was, yeah, but somebody can do that better than me or somebody else is cleverer than me. And so it was never like I, even though like I, I would be told by so many people that I was clever, it never felt like I was clever enough. So I felt like I had to do more and I had to get more and doing more degrees and, and like my th two of my degrees are related to each other and one of them isn't. So it's like, why did I even get that third one? And it was because I wanted to prove myself, but to who? I don't know, probably just myself. And even, even after the, the third degree, I was like, what degree shall I get next? It, yeah. There was no ending to this. Because maybe every time you get that hit of like, you did it, you succeeded, you got it. And it's like a bit of an addiction. And, and then, yeah, what's next? keep going next next thing next thing next thing and you kind of redirected yourself away from the world of science and education and the degrees to the pursuit of healing yourself yeah yeah it did feel like an addiction but it was like I got the hit and I, the come down was very quick I, I, the, I didn't even go to my last graduation because I kept making excuses I don't want to go and because it was through Open University, I was like, oh, I don't have any actual uni friends. So I just made these excuses because I didn't want to go because it just didn't feel like it was enough. It wasn't enough. So I needed more. Yeah, I think opening my eyes up to all the reasons why I was doing this, why I was reaching for all these degrees, helped me to realize that 
it's not that I'm not good enough. It's that I didn't think I was good enough. And changing that thought, changing that belief from being you're not good enough to you're, you're perfect the way you are. If you want a degree for a different reason, go for it. But if this is the reason, that's not a good reason to go for something like that. And so changing to healing, I think, you know, I've always, ever since I was young, I wanted to help people. Like I went into science to help people, to heal people. It was a kind of a different way, but it was still healing. And I just think I don't want people to go through what I went through without help. I want people to see that there is a way out. Yeah. I mean, what did that doctor say when you had shown that you had successfully healed clinical depression and other doctors, I'm sure you've seen where they're asking you about fibro symptoms or other symptoms and you're saying, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling really good. They're kind of asking you, how did you do that? Or are they gobsmacked or are they kind of like, okay. The, the doctor who um, told me that I was no longer clinically depressed, she genuinely was celebrating. She was like, I just wanted to see your face. And I said, I'm really glad you can't see my face because I'm crying right now. She was like, I hope there are tears of joy. And I was like, yeah. And she was just really happy and she was really pumped. And she was my CBT therapist. So like she, she worked really hard to help me to get out of that um, depressive anxiety cycle. And then I, I spoke to my GP, of, like, um, I think a month ago, or maybe more than that. And I said, I want to cut my tramadol in half. Wow. He was like, okay, like kind of taken aback. I've never spoke to her before because I recently moved. So this was a brand new doctor. Yeah. And she looked through my notes she was like, are you sure? Like she was questioning me, but not like in a, in a bad way. Like I didn't feel like she was saying I couldn't do it. I think she just wanted to make sure. But then she was like, yep, yeah, let's get you off. Let's, let's half it. Let's eventually get you off it. And then we'll get you off the pregabalin. She was like, we're just going to take you off all the medicine. She was like, if you're feeling better, we want to get you off it. It was refreshing. Like I wasn't expecting that from, from some of the doctors I've had before that were very much like, just take more drugs, just take more drugs. And at one point, like I was on 13 tablets a day. Wow. Yeah. I feel like a big reality shift for you has been before with core beliefs of I'm never going to heal. It's incurable and I need the medication and Ooh. I need the validation that being in pain and having these symptoms and diagnosis gives me what it allows me, who it allows me to be and what it allows me to do. And then the doctors then, the kind of doctors that you drew in, that you attracted in, reflected that back to you and we're often invalidating. That's most of our experience that they're invalidating because on some level we're still holding on to the chronic illness identity. And mm. then as we start to shift, and I know you've got a fabulous like team around you that not they don't necessarily know they're a team, but you've got different people for different, there are different expertise to support you in your healing. And I think that's also a big shift that uh, we start off kind of just with whatever our, our country might provide, if that's free healthcare or something else. And we're kind of just, which is often just medication. And we like just mm. have that. But as we start to heal and we start to open our eyes up, we might, you know, and then we're starting to dip our toes into traditional medicine, alternative medicine, therapies, hypnotherapies, different uh, coaches and, and guides to help us along the way. And also traditional talk therapy as well. Like it doesn't have to be Eastern or Western. It can be this combination to just support you in your healing. Yes, I think the team is really important. Having just one person isn't enough. For a really long time, I was like, I'm not going to pay for a counsellor. I'll just wait for NHS to provide one for me, which was taking, I mean, I think I waited well over two years for my, for my CBT to actually start. 
and I would like have appointments with them like once a month where they would go yeah you're still on the waiting list I'm like well why have I come all the way to the hospital to hear that like what a waste but I was just like because I didn't think I deserved it I didn't think I was worthy of spending that money of getting that help and allowing that person to to help me because also I didn't want the help I didn't want to change because of all the reasons why I had the illness in the first place like I wasn't ready to let go and I think before I had connected with you through YouTube or through um, the 21 day program that you're that you did and you're running again I finally just said look to myself like you either carry on as you are and just be sick for the rest of your life or you do something about it I think it was the most real I got with myself about it and I was just like went on google timed in counselor found my counselor i love that woman she's great she's so helpful and like i tell her all the time i'm like you're booked in to my calendar for every week for the rest of my life like i don't <laughs> see my life without you there <laughs> because like sometimes you know you just need to have a chat sometimes we just have a chat about nothing but you know sometimes we get really in there and it's it's deep and then obviously coaching coaching with you has been amazing my cbt doing all the different things, the essential oils, crystals, the yoga, Pilates, everything. Like it all, it all, it's all together. It's all comes as one thing. And even taking the pregabalin and the tramadol is in there. I mean, I'd like to stop, but just because like of the, the side effects, it's not that I don't believe people should have medication, but you know, I've been having codeines for eight years now. So, and it, you're not supposed to have it for more than six months. Wow. And I think for a really long time, I was just like, I just felt like if I wasn't having pain relief, I would tell myself how much worse I would be. And I didn't allow myself to see if that was true or not. And I also didn't feel like I was getting any help from the pain relief. It was like this double sort of story I was telling myself that you need it, but it doesn't do anything, but mm. you need it. Yeah. And I guess because having those boxes and having those prescriptions and I don't know, it's also a way to get more validation. It's kind of a nice mm. exchange with the doctor and the pharmacist. And it, it's kind of like this sense that of being cared for, which is really what you wanted to be cared for, to be looked at after and to be seen. And and someone say, your pain is real. And here's yeah. a pill and that's, you know, going to help relieve your real pain. But if you don't have the pill anymore, then who's to say that the, and the pain is not real? And, and really the pain, the physical expressions, even if physical and invisible is still a physical expression, are trying to tell you where you're hurt, you know, on an emotional way and on a mental way, mm -hmm. in all the ways. To say, to get off medication completely is also to say, I've healed all that underlying pain. And that's mm. a journey. That's a process. So we're all healing. We're all healing stuff. If we are using our circumstances, like taking medication as another way to berate ourselves, then that's just showing us more inner work to do because we can take medication and fully love ourselves. Even when we switch medication, pharmaceutical medication to plant medicine or whatever our medication turns into, Maybe instead of medication, it's meditation. You don't need to berate yourself like, oh God, I need to do a yoga nidra. I need to do some yoga. That's like a way that I'm going to criticize myself. Like, no, don't criticize yourself, but notice that you you need to criticize yourself. Notice that that's maybe a pattern. Yeah, exactly. Like the physical expression of pain shows you where you need healing. And um, that just made me think like for years I suffered with costochondritis, which is like inflammation of the rib cage and I would get chest pains. 
and my like I would get palpitations and I would have all the pain just constantly around my heart I didn't like myself I didn't show myself any love or or like I was always berating myself it was always something that that I was not doing or I should be doing this or I haven't done this correctly when I started the inner work I didn't necessarily do it to say I'm going to start loving myself but doing the inner work is is love it just it just is love in itself for you um putting that time in you know to actually work on yourself and the chest pain went wow that's huge that's and that's something I know yeah so many people struggling with that and again google says and they say no no known treatment, no known cure. But yeah, as we know, the heart space, the body is a map. It's so fun learning and going through that map together, working together. Because yeah, there is a reason why a symptom is coming in one area of the body, then another of the body, the heart space. I mean, now it's almost like we speak another language. And when you tell me heart, we, we're kind of on the same page. And we know heart, like protecting, open the heart, close the heart, love. Like we kind of already know this whole other meaning that's been so fun because now when we think about symptoms like earlier today I lent on my uh, hand and I was just I was repositioning myself in bed and I felt a tiny little pain go through my wrist and I did have carpal tunnel years ago as one of the diagnoses that I healed and I just that little kind of memory a little surge of pain for a second I was like oh hands, wrists, giving, receiving. And I just instantly started to think about where maybe I'm not being truly honest and open with myself and why then that would show up in my hand, for example. So that's been so fun because in doing that, that inner work, we also explore our body in this whole new way. We get to know our body in a whole new way because when we enter being chronically diagnosed, we're totally disconnected from our body. Even as you as a scientist, we still don't know the inner workings of how it all functions. So all we know is it doesn't function properly. And that's it. That's all mm-hmm. we've got to go on. It doesn't function properly. Yeah, that's so interesting. As a scientist, I could tell you how everything worked in your body. Like, okay, I didn't know everything, but you know, like the the, the science behind it. But, you know, I, I like to think of it that, you know, the healing that we do is science that science doesn't know yet. It's all science. Science is everything. Everything that happens naturally is science because that's, you know, we just don't call it science because it hasn't been found, hasn't been researched, hasn't, in a lot of cases, hasn't been allowed to be researched. Like creative healing is is massive. Like loads of people research it, but it's not very well known because it's different. Woo. So yeah, we definitely get to know ourselves, our bodies and our minds, I think completely in a completely new way. And and you don't see pain the same, like you said, you know, you saw, you had a pain and you saw it completely differently. Yes. Um, Rather than it punishing me and entering this victim state, it's now like, oh, you're trying to lead me away from that, like boy or that bad choice or that, you know, thing that's not in my best interest. Thank you for directing me. You know, thank you for speaking to me. Yeah, I used to get restless leg syndrome a lot. And I wouldn't, I would just think, oh, it's restless leg syndrome. My my legs hurt, my legs hurt. And now it's like, if it happens, I'm like, okay, what am I not, where am I not going that I need to go? What am I not going towards? And it's, it's I think it opens your eyes to so much more 
than just I'm in pain or I have this symptom. There's so much more there that is actually very interesting. It's super interesting and it's totally linked with everything, all the fun, interesting things about law of attraction and manifestation because if we're saying that we we can draw in even experiences and circumstances, then we uh, everything changes from like, okay, my legs hurt because I went on that walk or my neck hurts because I slept on it funny or like I ate something bad. And like focusing on these physical reasons and kind of analyzing the symptoms in that way and trying to put the cause on like, or even just to say, I've got the pain because of the fibromyalgia, like as if that's a cause, mm-hmm. but that's just a fiber, the name, the diagnosis is just the name and the name doesn't explain anything. But to move away, to to really transform into like, okay, so maybe, yeah, maybe the pain was triggered by that walk or by me standing up and doing all the washing up and then sweeping the floor and doing all the things and overdoing it or maybe eating that thing I ate because, and then this is where it gets interesting. Why did I do that? Why did I stand there for hours doing that stuff? Why did I burn myself out? Why did I eat that thing? And then you might explore because you were at a social event and you didn't want to look strange with like your, your, maybe you have different dietary requirements and you self-abandoned to save face or to just fit in with everyone else. And then your body manifested the symptoms. So it's like, yes, the physical thing maybe was the trigger, like I went to, I was telling you before, I went to a strong yoga class on Monday and I'm still feeling the effects now on Friday. And I could say oh, it was the yoga class, but still mm-hmm. with the law of attraction and manifestation, I chose to do that class or we chose to do housework for hours or we chose to eat that thing or not eat that thing. And we pulled in and we orchestrated on a subconscious level, all the events, circumstances, people, places, things possible so that our body could then manifest the symptom on in its map and wherever in the specific area of the body that's going to symbolize something for us that we can then understand what it's trying to communicate so that we can then heal but the problem has been that we just mask it we would just mask it and then we and we'd be like oh why is it doing this to me and the body must have just been like slapping its forehead the whole time like oh listen to me i'm trying to help you here <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah, I know. I feel sorry for my body. Like now looking back, I'm like, I'm sorry that it didn't listen for years. Everything you said is so true. You go, you, you, you need to see why, why you did that thing in the first place. And then there's a reason behind that. And there's probably another reason, reason behind that reason. And you really got to get in there. And it does take work and effort. And sometimes you can be like, oh, but I don't feel well. I don't want to do it. But that just is going to make it worse. That's when you're just getting worse and that pain doesn't go away or that symptom doesn't go away. But that time and effort that you spend looking in and saying, why did I do that? And why did that then happen? And how come this is linked? Like that's totally worth it because it's freedom. Hey love, if you're enjoying the show and you're ready to connect with self healers, attend powerful coaching masterclasses and get access to restoring and revitalizing self healing practices, head over to notsochronic.com. As a huge thank you for being here on the show, you get an exclusive Not So Chronic discount to join us in our membership exclusive to women in healing the Self Healers Society.
you'll get all my best self-healing resources, group support, and powerful coaching all for you in your self-healing. You and your work in the healing arts will be guided, supported, and celebrated. And you will have the chance to come on the show for women in healing ready to share their truth that healing happens. So head to notsochronic.com and join us in the Self Healers Society. Okay, my love, back to the show. Yes, it's freedom from the patterns that had us locked in the kind of life that we had. Yeah, and it yeah. definitely um, makes sense that if we set ourselves to do some inner work, we will manifest something as a way we can say, oh, maybe not. Maybe I'm feeling unwell. Maybe I won't do it today. Maybe I'll do it tomorrow instead. And that's not to invalidate the very real symptoms. But all the symptoms are real. I can't express that enough. It's real, real, real. You know, constipation is real. Uh, heart palpitations is real. Chronic fatigue is real. Migraine is real. It's all real. And we are so powerful that we can manifest that for some benefit to help us, to help us maybe set a boundary to help us, well, because we don't have boundaries, to do the talking for us. That's why they're so loud. That's why they're so painful because we're not able to say it ourselves. So the body's talking for us. Yeah, definitely. And then you use that, you use that message in the, in the wrong way when you're really chronic and you say, oh, I can't do this or I can't go there or, you know, I'm a waste of space because I have this issue instead of looking at it and saying, why do I have this issue? And, you know, it's weird because until you know how to see it, you're never going to see it that way. Like you just need that one trigger and then it's like a light bulb moment and you go, oh, oh, that's how it works. All right, I see now. And then and then you're on the way, you're on the road to healing and recovery and yet like you say like you're you're always healing like healing happens all of the time because I I now have healed let's say you know depression but you know tomorrow something else may come along that is a different thing that I need to work on right like a UTI like uh, all the things mm. yes absolutely or we have an accident we actually manifest ourselves the circumstances to fall over or to or something else happens and that's it's all linked um to our personal growth to our self-discovery to discover who we are because in doing this journey that you've been on you have changed huge areas of your life um i know your mornings have been huge for you 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 changed up your mornings totally from like that dread and that looking for ways to self-abandon more to now this beautiful loving relationship with yourself yeah I think changing my morning routines was was one of the first things I worked on and it was it was definitely life-changing to wake up in the morning at like seven I think it's now it's now like 6 30 like naturally like I don't even it's it's weird. I wake up and I'm like, what time is it? Oh, it's six thirty. I might as well get up and I'll do some yoga and I'll meditate and I'll like have I'll have a shower and get dressed and like wear like clothes that aren't pajamas so that I feel like I'm ready to take on the day. Like even if it's just like with lockdown, like joggers, it's still not pajamas. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to then if if I go downstairs have my breakfast, I'm in pajamas. I'll then be like, oh, I'll just wear pajamas until I really really have to get changed. And I feel like. You're, you're then you're putting yourself in this mood in this sort of mind frame of 
don't even know how to word it, of like kind of just blah, just mulling around, just not giving enough of a shit about yourself. Yes. <laughs> we both um, connected on the phrase can't be bothered. And that's yes. something I healed for a long time and came up for you. Can't be bothered. And it's that and we can keep on saying, I just can't be bothered. But what's within can't be bothered. And and uh, we discovered that there was a lot of like, I'm not, I'm not worthy ultimately. But maybe the vocabulary wasn't, it didn't come out like that. But through the inner work, we found that can't be bothered was just a mask for I'm not, I'm still not valuing my div- divinity. <laughs> I don't realize how divine I am. I don't see it. Yes. I can't be bothered with something I said about everything. Like I bought essential oils and I was like, I can't be bothered to use them. Or I would um, have my arts and crafts stuff and be like, I can't be bothered to do it. Or I would feel like, oh, if I use it, then I'm wasting, like I, I, I'm, not, I'm not worthy to use that thing, to use the oils or, or do the knitting that use the paints or whatever it could be. Uh, and it, it is, it is definitely like you say, it's, it's just me feeling not, not worthy enough or at all to, to do the, to do the, to do the inner work, to, to do the yoga, to do um, the meditation. And then when you realize that you are worthy, just as you are, you start to go, oh, okay, so I will use the oils and I, I will do the yoga and meditate and paint that picture and knit that blanket or whatever and and you start to do those things for yourself so I found for a really long time all my knitting was for other people I think I've knit myself one thing of all the years I've been knitting which has been well over 10 years I have knit myself one thing that I barely wear and it was because I just didn't feel I didn't feel worthy I didn't want to use the the scarf because it, it was I was like oh it's pretty and I don't want it to get ruined but really it was that I wasn't worthy to to wear it and I didn't want to knit myself things because I didn't, I was like, oh, other people, you know, oh, they've had a baby all that. This is a present for them. And I was just putting them first because I didn't feel worthy enough to knit myself something or to make myself something. It's huge. It's huge. And then, but, but then we can remember that the reason we have these core beliefs, like I'm not worthy, isn't our, our mindset trying to attack us there is not the critical voice or the parent voice or an evil voice trying to be nasty to us actually it serves a purpose and the purpose might be on some level I'm not ready to heal yet because I'm still holding on to these chronic illnesses and the life that I have and it's very familiar and even though it's painful as hell there's some kind of comfort and familiarity and I can control it to some degree and it's like a safety bubble and I can push people away because I'm not ready to like let people in and all that kind of stuff going on so on some level we could have a core belief like I'm not worthy to use these things I'm not worthy to uh, like we yeah I can easily spend a hundred pound and buy all the arts and crafts this has been your journey with with art and crafts as well and then but then not actually use the stuff why because in using the stuff, in rolling out your mat and showing up to yoga and painting your picture, in uh, knitting your scarf, in doing affirmations in front of the mirror, in doing this stuff, we're healing. And if on some level we're afraid to heal, naturally we're going to come up with reasons, ways. We could call it self-sabotage. But I actually think it's not conscious sabotage because all we're trying to do is keep ourselves safe. That's the fundamental line is 
our body and our mind thinking, how can we keep, because our body and our mind, and not that they're separate things, but they just love us and they just want to keep us safe. And if we fear healing on any level, because who am I going to be without my illnesses? What am I going to do? My illness is my full-time job. If I don't have my illness anymore, I'm going to have to go back out there, back out there in the real world and like do something and be something. And maybe I'd, I have imposter syndrome and maybe I don't know how to operate out there and be a healer and all that stuff. And so if, if a core belief, like, no, I'm not worthy of that. I don't have time could be another one. I don't have time to do the yoga. I don't have time to do arts and crafts. And it's like, but in doing the arts and crafts, you will heal. So that is, are you avoiding, you're avoiding the actual path laying laid out ahead of you? Yes. You, you know, you, you, invest in the stuff like you buy a yoga mat or you you pay for the classes and then and then you find the excuse and it is protection i remember one of the first things you asked me was why are you scared of healing what what is the fear there and that was you know exploring that was huge for me because it made me realize that it isn't that i'm not healing because i can't heal it's that i'm somehow through protection and not because of you know, I want to be uh, pitied or anything like that. But it was it was that fear of going back into the real world where I got hurt, you know, having to figure out what to do with my life. Like at the time, you know, I, I had I, I didn't know what to do as a job. I kind of felt like there was nothing I could do because I wasn't good enough for anything. But I was I was doing all of this because I was it was leading me to, to this to this inspired calm. I was being led here. And sometimes you just have to let yourself be led, but other times you just have to go, no, I bought this paint. I'm going to pick up that paintbrush. I'm going to do that because that's what you need to do. And you are always led to something. Yes. In doing this, you are shifting those core beliefs in, in loving yourself. What I like to say sometimes putting our big girl pants on and just saying, you're going to do it now, even if you just draw. And I'd love to hear more about your journey with art and craft. But I know it was like, even if you just doodle something for a bit while you're watching the telly, while you are in bed, even on like a flare day, let's say you've bought the things you've invested in the things you're being led, you're being drawn here because art and craft was your thing. Yoga was mine. Mm -hmm. uh, crystals is someone else's. And that's why I always say all healing modalities work. It's just you have your passion and ultimately what you're discovering now, your soul mission. But you didn't know at the time that you would then help people through art and crafting uh, to help manage and heal their, their chronic symptoms. So you resisted it for the longest time, used it as a way to resist healing so that you could break free through this of this pattern and now find yourself helping clients with the same pattern and they come to you and they might say i've got all the knitting stuff but i just don't have the time and then you get to work with them and explore their core beliefs and explore the ways that they are like i said self-sabotage but not really because it's really trying to protect themselves i i found like i started to do art I didn't think I could draw I didn't think I could do it and I started to do it maybe three, four years ago and I would go to a class once a week I would do nothing in between even in the class I would I was more into like messing about and like talking to people than actually getting the stuff done because it was 
I, I, I did feel a benefit from it, you know, not just going to the class and, and talking to people. Everybody in the class was much, much, much older than me. And although, you know, it's nice to have that social interaction, it was sitting there in the drawing and seeing that, hey, I can draw. This belief I had that I couldn't do it, that I kept telling myself, you can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it, was not true. What else is not true? What else can I do? Like you say, when you're sitting in bed and you're, you, you know, you could be doing something like I sometimes would think, oh, I've, I've got this poem mulling around in my head. I could write it down and I would go to get my book, my really nice book that I would write my poems in. And instead of using the book because I didn't want to ruin the book and I didn't feel my poem was worthy to go in the book, I would write it on a scrap piece of paper and then I'd be like, okay, I'll put it in the book later if I like it, if I think it's good enough. So it was, it was always this like conditional relationship between me and my arts and craft or creative, whatever it was. Like I will knit if it's for someone else. I will paint if I'm in the class. It was never like, okay, this is good for me. I feel the benefit. Let's do it. Just because I was fighting it. I was definitely fighting the, the, the positive reaction that I would get in my mind and in my body you know and that release that release from like coming out of your head coming out of those thoughts um that you've got constantly going around in your head and all of a sudden you pay attention to something different and then you start to feel positive about yourself and then you're like hang on a sec no I don't feel this I feel all these negative things let me go back to those negative things because those negative things keep you in that safe bubble of, of a weird comfort that is very uncomfortable, but it's all you know. Yeah, that's it's so inspiring to hear how you first use art and crafting in a way to help you shift core beliefs, to help you reconnect with yourself, to help you fall back in love with yourself, to help you rediscover yourself, to help you find your calling, to help you find what you're passionate about and what you want to give back and what you want to help people do and the the modality the tool because it's like we were talking about this before we even hopped on the the podcast episode was that all the coaches and all the therapies and all the all the people who work in the healing arts even if they help with sex and relationships or they help with dating or they help with um diet nutrition or they help with losing weight or they help like all these different things you and your creative coaching, um, a yoga teacher, uh, a sound bowl expert, all the different things, hypnotherapist. Ultimately, all of us are doing the inner work and we're helping our clients do the inner work and to help them go along this path of self-discovery and no longer fear it because it's almost like we're conditioned to like go, I don't want to connect with myself we don't know how to connect with ourselves we use netflix we use sex we use alcohol we use anything to stop us from reconnecting with ourselves because it seems so scary to to see this stuff and to go i've been believing this all this time about myself but the the medicine is to take responsibility and love ourselves through it because if it's just like oh my god i i did this to myself i manifested this i like i'm realizing these core beliefs i have that i'm unworthy that i'm not good enough and i guess i learned that from my parents or this or that it could if we're not being guided and held by an expert by someone who has been there like you have by someone who 
knows how to support you, you could find yourself like getting in a in this dark place. Because actually, we, when you uncover something like that, it should be a, a celebration. It should be like, I realized that I've been thinking that I'm not worthy all this time. I've just realized this. So that's great. So now I can shift this core belief because now I've seen it. Because that's great. The first step is see the core belief, get it out, because then it doesn't have to express as a symptom anymore. Then shift it and then make actual life changes. And part of your actual life changes have been allowing yourself to be creative and even your social media platform, letting yourself show the pictures of your work that aren't air quotes perfect, that you might think that's not really good enough to be seen because all that was was I'm not good enough to be seen I feel like I'm not good enough to be seen and it just manifests as art or it manifests for me it's dance I'm healing letting myself go and dance because again like on some level there's something going on there with myself letting myself you know be in public letting myself be seen letting myself it's just it's the same it doesn't matter what tool we're going to use to heal it's what resonates with you Exactly. And, you know, everyone, I think, should have more than one tool, because there are days when you you maybe don't need to be creative that day, you need to do something else to find it to, to heal something else that's happening for you that day. But that's why you, you and your work, you also, you're a baker, you know, you also, you do, you, you do all kinds of things. I mean, creativity, it's kind of like you must feel sometimes, I know I get this a lot where people come up to me and they go, so you teach yoga. And it's like, I can help. I, I help my clients with yoga. And in this new six-month course I'm making, there's going to be a whole module on like the real, real depth of yoga philosophy. That's not, that's just a vehicle. It's just a tool that we can use to do inner work. But that's not what it is. And so for you, it's like you might share some posts on you baking a cake and everybody will go, oh, are you like a nutritionist? Or are you going to help me like bake cakes? And it's like, no, like we, we could do that if that's going to be a tour, a vehicle for you to, to love yourself, right? To do the work, to shift these core beliefs. Because baking brings you joy. Crafts brings you joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's, also like I love to experiment in the kitchen and and get creative in the kitchen with my cooking with my baking and for a really long time I stopped cooking and baking because it brought me joy but I was miserable and I was in pain I was chronic and when I got back into cooking every day like with this elimination diet that I'm doing like I have I keep saying I've got no choice but it's not it's more than that it's, I, I'm enjoying it I'm enjoying cooking every day you know, making things from scratch that I never would have made before. It is what is bringing you joy is what you should be doing, not just because somebody tells you to do it. Yeah, Um, because I think that's how it started, right? You got that book, the Elimination Diet book, forever ago. Yeah. Without the, without, with still the core beliefs of maybe fear of healing and everything else going on, worthiness. So the book just sat there and we've all got books. I'm sure everyone listening along is laughing because they know they've got a book somewhere. It might not be the elimination diet, but it's something that is a tool for self-discovery. It's a tool for change, uh, maybe a diet change. And on some level we're resisting it. But for you it, in divine timing, about a year or something of that book sitting there, it finally aligned for you. 
Yeah, I think it may have been longer than that. It was it was recommended to me by one of my therapists who does a Bowen and Perrin treatment on me. And she kept telling me for years, you need to do this diet. And then eventually I bought the book and I kept reading it. And I was like, cool, I'm not doing this. It's too, it's too hard. And I would find all the excuses not to do it. Like I need and the coffee and I need the things. How Because yeah. like the chronic fatigue, how would I survive? Yeah, that, that was it. And also like, I can't cook. I can't cook because I'm ill. I can't stand if in the kitchen because I'm ill and I won't have the energy. And it's surprising how much energy I actually have now changing, taking out whatever it was. Like I'm still, I'm still doing all the tests and still reintroducing foods. I spoke to that lady who recommended it to me and she was like, you can't, you can't start the diet unless you're ready because you'll just give up. She says, there's so many people who start it and give up. She that you've got to be ready and, and willing and open for, for it, um, for it to work and for that healing to take place. And I think that's true for everything. Like when she said that to me, I was like, that is, that is it for all of it. Like I've been doing Pilates for, I don't even know how many years. Like I just, I did it all the time and it never was for me a healing thing. It was just, oh, I need to exercise to be thin. It was like this other reason. And then I became open to like doing Pilates and yoga for healing. And then all of a sudden it has this totally different effect on my body and my mind. Uh, just like with, you know, oh, I'm going to draw this picture because I'm in the art class to I'm going to draw this picture because I want to. And I, I want to sit here and, and have some time with myself and do something that I love. And maybe this you know, sometimes I'm meditating and a picture comes in my mind and I'm like, I have to draw this picture right now or like write this poem right now. And, and, and it's, it's another way to explore everything that's happening to you because it can be so hard. There's so many things going on. It can be so hard to really get into it, especially yeah. in the beginning. I, I used to find it really hard to do the inner work. So I'm like, I don't know where to start. I don't, I don't know how to ask, answer these questions of why I, why I did that thing in the first place. So I find you know, when you find that healing modality that helps you answer those questions, do it. Yes. Yeah. And I love that everything that you're talking about here have all been ways for you to practice doing what you needed to practice to change your life. And it just starting with safe practices like baking the cake, eliminating things from your diet, showing up to your yoga, showing up to your Pilates, showing up for yourself, letting yourself wear that dress, put on some makeup, feel good, letting yourself use your oils. These were all practices for you for the radical life overhaul, which is the real like hurrah of I'm really am leaving chronic illness behind. I really am changing my life. Now you're, you're an entrepreneur, you're a businesswoman, and it's not just business it's soul aligned business it you are ready and open you had to practice getting ready and open in your diet getting ready and open in your pilates so that you can now be ready and open for clients so that you can now be ready and open to potentially move house meet someone new be abundant no longer have money stuff like all this all the life stuff and maybe this is what i definitely feel for me Chronic symptoms and illness was a beautiful but difficult but beautiful way to help me change my life. Yeah, difficult. That's definitely a good word there. It's it's so hard, firstly, I think, to admit that 
you can heal because you've been fighting with other people, even your close family and your friends saying, I can't heal. I, oh, I've tried yoga and that doesn't, I can, you have this sort of, you have this sort of uh, defense mechanism of, of protecting your chronic illness. Like it's your baby, like this is mine and, and you can't tell me to change it until yeah. you're ready yourself. You're open yourself to change it. And then, and then, and then it changes your life. Yeah. It changes everything and it's, it changes it for the better. And I wouldn't ever want to go back. Like I think about myself a year ago, two years ago, and I, and I know that she was like that for all these reasons. And, you know, and I, and I love her and I'm, I extend her love and I'm, and I feel, I don't feel pity or sorry for her because I know she would hate that. (laughs) But, um, you know, and I think, I went through all of that to get here. If I didn't go through that, I wouldn't be this creative healing coach. Like I never thought I was creative and I never thought I could. I mean, my job isn't to teach people to be creative. It's to use that creative thing to help them heal. But I never thought that that would be something I could do. Like it was never even, uh, it never even crossed my mind. And then all of a sudden, every time I'm meditating, it's coming up and it's coming up and I'm ignoring it and ignoring it. And I think I ignored it for months. Yeah. Um, until like one day I was like, oh, I have this idea. And you were like, yeah, that's definitely a thing. <laughs> like you should yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we all go through this and this is happening with all my clients, anyone I've ever worked with and anyone that I speak to who also healed themselves and now work in the healing arts is this like, wait, can I, can I actually be that bold and like combine this thing I'm really passionate about and this thing that I know helps me heal with being a coach, a leader, a teacher, a guide, and combine those two things together. Is that even a thing? Do people do that? And it's like, whether people do it or not, you could be the first person. It's just like, yes, yes, yes. That's where you've been led. You've been leading yourself. And so, yeah, we get to be super grateful to our bodies and to those past versions of ourselves and, she didn't know at the time that she was going to transition into this super abundant, pain-free healing life where everything works because first she had to realize that she was allowed all of that. She was worthy of all of that, that the constant struggle is just a story, a pattern, and it's not who she is. It's just old, old story, old pattern. And this healing process is ongoing, even as healed women, healing women and healed women. I mean, to say I'm a healed woman, is not really correct because we are always, always healing and something will come up and it could be even a little thing like that. Like, um, oh, I won't use that essential oil because I don't want to waste it. But if I'm using it on my skin, how is that a waste? How is it a waste if I'm using it on myself, my beautiful self? And then we start to explore uh, areas outside of health and healing and the healing continues yes healing is always happening yes yes so oh on that note it has been so fun to have you here on not so chronic and explore all these things i'm going to absolutely link your stuff up in the description of this episode so that listeners can find you thank you so much for sharing your time and energy and coming on here and exploring the core beliefs that have led to fundamental healing and radical life transformation So thank you. Thank you for having me. I've absolutely loved it. And I've loved, you know, 
sharing my story and thank you for giving me the space to do so. Yes, it's all of that throat chakra healing, right? Getting our voices out. Yes, saying I am that bold. I can speak up for myself. I can share my truth, right? That's all we're doing here. We're just sharing our truth. Okay, my loves, I hope you enjoyed this show. And if you did, remember to check out your not so chronic discount and join the self healers society over at notsochronic.com for powerful coaching masterclasses, self healing practices, and real friendships with real women who heal themselves. We are the revolution. I'm Sarah. See you next time. And remember, healing happens.